Talking with Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And a new rock and roll album is coming out from Fozzie on May 6th. That's right. Our brand new album is just weeks away. It's called Boombox. By far the third best album of our career. <laughs> I always wanted a band to say that. Uh, we also just released a new single, I Still Burn, available everywhere you stream music, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. Check it out now. I'm actually headed to Atlanta today to film the video for I Still Burn. Remember, if you're in New York City on April 11th, Fozzie is playing a special gold album presentation party at Irving Plaza. Uh, it's going to be huge. Uh, come see us play live and we will be presented with our gold record for Judas April 11th in Irving Plaza. It's going to be amazing. So come check us out in New York City or anywhere across America on the Save the World Tour. We're starting up again March 31st in Detroit. Tickets available at FozzyRock.com. We're going everywhere. Michigan, New York, New, uh, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Colorado, Los Angeles, Texas. Uh, just go check it out now and uh, see all the gigs on uh, FozzyRock.com. And of course, we've got our VIP meet and greet as well. The exclusive, the best meet and greet in the business. We play a mini set for you. Some songs you won't hear later in the show. We meet you, we greet you, we hang out. It's going to be amazing. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket and VIP information. And Fozzy will be playing multiple sets, including the famous Cruise cover set on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Four Leaf Clover. Get on the uh, list to book a cabin at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We are on sale officially now. And we're setting out uh, February 2nd to February 6th from Miami to Great Stirrup K, our own private island. All details on the lineup and everything else at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right, today I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit on the wrestling business. You're going to discover how I've been able to be Chris Jericho no matter what company I work for or where I wrestle. You'll hear how Danhausen gets to keep using his name and gimmick from promotion to promotion how Cody got to reclaim Rhodes from WWE, even though he's back in WWE. Uh, I call my guest Trademark Mike, but his real name is Mike Dawkins, and he's a trademark and patent attorney to the stars, but more specifically, he's really got involved in the pro wrestling business as of late. He's helped many of our favorite wrestlers legally protect their names, gimmicks, catchphrases, merch, and even face paint and masks. As Gene Simmons told me, trademark everything, and that's what I do. Mike's had to go up against the WWE on more than one occasion, He'll tell us all about those stories, including one uh, where he had to stand up to WWE for me. He also explains what's legal and what's not when it comes to changing the spellings of words and names. Similar use scenarios, very fascinating stuff. You hear how he first got started filing wrestling-related trademarks. He even explains the difference between a trademark, copyright, and patent. So here we go, a little bit of behind-the-scenes copyright. Uh, everything in between. Trademark Mike is here right now on Talk is Jericho. But just to kind of get right into it, how important is it to trademark a name, a character name, a catchphrase, all those sorts of things? Yeah, it's it's very important, uh, particularly if you want to own it and you want to control it. And that's kind of how I got into doing this as as part of my career was I was laying on the couch one night and and thought, you know, I'm going to finally do this. I'm, I've been a patent attorney. I'm, you know, helping pe people protect their inventions. I'm writing fuel cell patent applications and this sort of thing. But I also was doing intellectual property of trademarks, helping pre people protect their brands, helping them protect their catchphrases, things like that. But for like blenders and, you know, consumer products. But I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. And I read all these stories about, oh, so-and-so got released by WWE or WWF. And now they have to rebrand. They have to rename. I thought, man, they, these guys need to know what they don't know. You know, they, they, they might appreciate the idea of, oh, they own the character, they own the name, but they probably could get some of these things and own it. Who better do it? Why not me? Why not somebody who's a fan? Why not somebody who's watched wrestling and enjoyed wrestling their whole lives? So I, I uh, started throwing stuff at the wall to see how, how can I get my foot in? Because it's going to take somebody trusting me and giving me a chance because, as you know, it's a word of mouth business. And once somebody sees, hey, this guy's for real and, and wants to help and is helping then they'll tell their friend who tells their friend who tells their friend. But to, to your point and to your original question, it's, it's so important because you know, you own Chris Jericho. So no matter where you go, no matter where you work, you're Chris Jericho. Nobody can take that away from you. Yeah. It's interesting because, so I first became familiar with trademarking in 98. Uh, I knew fairly early on in 98 that I was going to be leaving WCW in 99. And one of the things that I wanted to keep obviously was my name. Chris Jericho, because that's been my name since my very first match. Right. 
So one thing led to another. I worked with a with a, a copyright lawyer in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, his name is David. I can't remember what his last name was, but Barry Bloom would know. But um, so when I came from WCW to WWE, WWF at the time, I owned right. uh, Chris Jericho. So that was something that was kind of carved out in the contract. And it wasn't something that was very prevalent at the time because 90s WWE, late 80s, 90s, they were giving guys the gimmick names. Yeah, the job you know, names. Duke right. the Dumpster Drossy and right. Diesel and Razor Ramon and you name it. So they had just started moving into real name territory. Not that Chris Jericho is my real name, but they didn't want to kind of create a new persona for me. Yeah. So I think it's something that I had to my benefit. And I remember like the, the rumor back in the day was if you write something down and mail it to yourself and don't open it, it counts as a as as a, as a copyright or a trademark. Is that true, by the way? It's not. It's okay. not. It's so it's it's kind of a, a half truth sort of thing. So when you talk about intellectual property, you're talking about a few different things. You've got patents, right, which are inventions, how things work, how uh, pieces and parts go together to make a machine or a process or things like that. And people talked about a poor man's patent, which is kind of what you're talking about. Write it down, put it in an envelope, send it to yourself. It's going to be self-addressed, you know, stamped and and <laughs> yeah. postage Sorry, stamps Clyde, and all this, yeah. yeah. And what that went to was back in the day, I want to say the law changed in 2014, uh, patents went to the first inventor, the first person to invent something. So if you had two people who were working on the same concept and one can say, hey, I invented it a day before the other guy, you will have the right to a patent no matter who filed first. So it was first invent. That's why you wanted something. Hey, the U.S. Post Office stamped this, gave this a stamp. Uh, and, and it has a date and has all that. So I can prove as of at least that day in this sealed envelope, open it up. You'll see my inventions in there. I was the first to invent when 2014, the law changed and they said, well, that's kind of silly. It should be the first inventor to file. We don't want people to sit back on their inventions and not protect it because the idea behind a patent is it's going to be disclosed for the whole world to see. Mm-hmm. So the world will be a better place with the technology. And so with that, that sort of kind of self-addressed stamp thing didn't matter as much. Having that evidence didn't matter. For trademarks, when you talk about branding, and when you talk about uh, catchphrases and things like that, it's it's first to use. So there's no mailing anything. You just have to have some evidence that you used it. Hey, this is a wrestling show that I was on and right. first started In using October it. October 2nd, 1990. I have the program to prove it. Yep. So technically, not to interrupt you, hold that thought, but yep. technically, even if I hadn't have trademarked it, if WWE trademarked it in 99 when I went there, I still have the proof that I used it prior. Yes, you do. Which would give me a case. It would give you a case. So this is where it gets interesting and kind of convoluted. So when you have a trademark that you've used that's not registered, so that doesn't come with these fun certificates like the ones I brought you today, right. uh, th- that's called common law use. So that's unregistered use. So the only place that you have rights in that trademark is where you've used it. So if you've only used it, say, in... Canada. Ontario, right? right? And that's or Alberta. Or, or time, Alberta. Yeah, yeah. That's where you have rights. Canadian law, probably not surprisingly, trademark law is very similar to, to U.S. law. So same kind of thing. You would have rights in those places. So say you did a loop down here and you know you, you went and did Mexico and you came up and did a little bit of Arizona and Texas. Well, that's where you have rights, Arizona and Texas. So WWE, when they filed, would get the rest of the country. I understand. So now you're talking about a concurrent use. And if you got into a fight, well, WWE can't come into Texas and Arizona, but they can have the other 48 states, gotcha. Puerto Everyone Rico, else. and that sort of thing. So. But it's interesting, too, because when I first went there, um, Y2J was my my phrase. I coined the term, but I didn't really trademark it. And at the time, you really couldn't. They very, of course, frowned down upon that. I'm sure right. we'll probably discuss that a little bit later on that they probably still do. So I had Jericho on my own, but Y2J, because I was using it in WWE, even though I thought of it, it becomes their There's, intellectual yeah. trademark property, correct? Yeah, it, yeah. It, by contracts. By contract, Because right. we, you... By design, yeah. whether Whether you knew it or not, you signed away the right that says, yeah. hey, you know, I own all this stuff that I own before I ever came here. Mm-hmm. And they say, that's great, but anything that, no matter who came up with it, you, us, your neighbor, doesn't matter, whoever came up with it, we are going to own it because gotcha. you're under contract with us. So how did you start kind of working your way into the wrestling world you mentioned this was your goal but yeah. like you said it's not the easiest thing just to say i'm the trademark lawyer guys right hey, come talk to me coming from you know toledo ohio right it's not exactly the mecca of anything so it, it, not anything at all <laughs> the, toledo glass, mud the glass city there you go the yeah. mud ends 
Uh, it, it's, I, I very distinctly remember the night I was laying down on the couch. I had finished working out. The kids were in bed. My wife was getting ready for bed and I was fast forwarding through raw because who's got time to watch three and a half hours of TV. <laughs> right. And, and I, and something flashed in my mind talking about Starcast and they, the first Starcast had happened and all in it happened. Well, so this is recently then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, very recently. Like 2000, 2018, 19? 18, 19. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And I knew that there was going to be a second Starcast, and and that there would be uh, double or nothing, or oh, I guess it was all out was the second Starcast. And I thought, I wonder if anybody ever protected those brands. And so I pull up my phone and I'm looking at the the trademark office records, and boy, there sure isn't. And just so you know, you can go to the trademark office because mm-hmm. you do this all the time with me. Yep. And you look up, punch it into the computer, and every trademark. It's ever been filed. Ever been filed will come up in alphabetical order, I'm assuming. It's, well, it's a different search terms. So you have to be clever sometimes. I can just do the words of the trademark itself. I can look at who the owner is. Sometimes it's, uh, the trademark is a a logo. It's artwork. So I can do a a design description search. So I can find, I want to see anybody who's ever had a star in their trademark. And it'll pull up, you know, Mm -hmm. 50,000 things that have had a star as part of their trademark. So I pulled it up, saw nothing was there in, in StarCast. I thought, I don't know this Conrad Thompson guy. His DMs are open. I'll just send him a message, see what he has to say. So I sent him a note, said, hey, you don't know me. You and I are, are roughly the same age. We grew up on the same stuff. I've been a fan my whole life. This is what I do for a living. I'm an IP attorney. I help do trademarks and this sort of thing. You should, you should protect it. Use me. Don't use me. I don't care. But you know, if you, if you want to use somebody local, do it. But if you think you're getting the runaround or you're not getting fair numbers or anything, do a, do a sanity check. I'm happy to help in any way I can. And within a minute or two, he had DM me back and said, well, that's interesting. Your timing. I just checked the local guy this week. I'd be interested to see what you have to say, what your proposal is. I said, what's your email? Gives me his email. Next morning I went into work, typed up a proposal and sent it to him. At the same time, I thought, what else can I do? This may go somewhere. It may not. So uh, I went to my firm and we're, we're a pretty decent sized firm. It's a firm of shoemaker loop and Kendrick, but we're in uh, we're in Ohio, we're in Michigan, we're in Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, we're all over the place. And I went to the managing partner and said, hey, I've got this wild idea. Hear me out. He said, what's that? I said, well, there's this underserved market of professional wrestling. And I just feel like it's as smart as they are in their business, most wrestlers don't understand intellectual property and don't, I mean, heck, most people don't understand intellectual right. property, but they don't know what they don't know. And I've got a pretty good idea of wrestling. I've been watching it my whole life, been a fan. I want to try. I want to see if I can make this part of my job and help help these guys and, and gals out. Partner said, you know, go for it. What do you want to do? So let's sponsor some shows. Let's sponsor some regional kind of wrestling shows. Oh, wow. And I'll get to know those promoters. And again, it's a word of mouth business. And if somebody there, you know, they'll bring a legend back or something like this. And and I'll get to know them. And maybe they go tell somebody. Just local promotions near your house. And yeah. then you're in Ohio. Yeah, one in Fort Wayne. That, okay. Wow. That, um, Heroes and Legends that... Uh, I've got to know the promoter there pretty well. There's some stuff in, in Toledo that they do. So I was like, I'm just going to throw everything at the wall I can and see if I can make this work. Mm-hmm. If I can make it work, great. If I can't, I tried. Mm-hmm. You know, I did my best. Uh, as it were with with Conrad, he I helped him with StarCast. I helped him with the hosts of his various shows. And then some people we were talking about before we started recording, the first people that reached out to me were Gals and Anderson. Oh, wow. They hadn't renewed their contract yet. And they figured, well, we're going to probably go somewhere. There's going to be life after WWE. Let's start locking some of this stuff up and, and getting it in place. The rest is history. It just kind of spiraled after that in a good way. So for them, it would be, because I can't even remember what their names were in WWE. Cause, so they, they used their names that they used before yep. in WWE. Well, obviously, the Luke Gallows was different, but Gallows right. was the same. Yes. And Carl Anderson was the same. But Carl, so Ch- uh, Carl yeah. had his name before he ever went there. Right. So they didn't own it. Gotcha. And I, again, I, I very distinctly remember how all this happened. It was such a surreal thing for me is uh, it was the day I'd, I'd broken my leg and it was the day I got released. I didn't have to walk on crutches or anything anymore. And I was driving home because I didn't have two shoes with me. I had a boot. And the doctor's like, you need to go get your other shoes so you can go back to work. And I was, I stopped to get gas. And I, and I looked down at my phone. There's this email. Hey, Mike, this is my friend Drew. Drew, this is my friend Mike. And I just happened to look at the kind of how the email automatically fills in. It says Gallows. 
whoa. <laughs> and so I ended up talking to him that day and that night. And I'm like, yeah, you know, WWE hasn't protected these things. These are things that you own. You should do whatever you can. Yeah, jump on. He goes, I'm going to call my tag team partner. Don't be surprised if he calls you soon. Hour or two later, I get a call from from Carl and we're talking through all the different things. And WWE had filed for his name, even though they didn't own it. Hmm. But they had let because it go. Because he had proof that he had used it before. He had used it first. And right. it would be part of his talent agreement at the end. We know wrestler IP that Carl Anderson and Machine Gun and all those things. Because he'd used them in New Japan. He sure. used them on the Indies. He used them everywhere. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, they did file for Carl Anderson. What's interesting is it went abandoned two weeks ago. He goes, let's, can I cuss? I don't yeah, know. Sure. He's yes, like, let's yes, file yes. this now. Yeah. And so <laughs> I immediately got on it and, and jumped on it and filed. And next thing you know, he owns his name. And, and we got machine gunning. Gene Simmons taught me years ago, copyright everything. Copyright everything. And so anytime I think of anything, I'll copyright it, especially now that I know you. Yeah. So how did you kind of become more mainstream? Obviously, you've got Conrad and, and Gallows and Anderson, the word goes, but I think Barry Bloom was the one yep. who told me about you. How did you kind of start infiltrating up to that level? So I, I'm trying to remember why Barry reached out to me. I, I, I want to say it was one of his other wrestling clients and I won't use names, but not somebody as prominent as you, you yeah, know, yeah. A, a lower kind of level guy. And I just helps, you know, that's what, that's why I got into it. Yeah. I, I get paid for it and it's my job, but I wanted to help people right. and was able to help them. And I think I reached out to Barry and said, Hey, if you've got 20 minutes for a call, I want to introduce myself and tell you more about me. So you know who I am and, and why I do what I do. And, and he said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So he and I had a great call. And then I think the next time he was in Chicago at an AEW thing, he and I had, we broke bread and met and talked and, you know, just got to know him as a person and vice versa. So, you know, now Barry calls me. So, so yeah, and, and that's the thing now too, because like you said, if you go into, and this is not, we're not talking at a school because you posted on your Instagram, you yeah. have dozens and dozens. I mean, you've seen Billy Gunn and Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn and you've seen yep. FTR and you've seen... I mean, I could get my Instagram and pull it up, but give us some more of the, the guys you've worked with recently. Oh, sure. Um, Danhausen, you know, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's a, that's a good one recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the queen of wrestling, right? Charlotte done some stuff for, so, so even though she's in WWE, she can still retain your services. Correct. They, they, they allow that. That's a funny question. Um, <laughs> you, you probably know this very well, but in their, in their contracts, it says with the talent, uh, Hey, you agree that you have consulted with an attorney before signing this. Right. But then when you consult with an attorney, they get mad at you. Yes. So you're, you're kind it's of like damned they, if you they do, don't like you it don't. when you have an agent. Yes. Doing your deals for you either. You right. Know? Right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good number of the roster at AEW. Honestly, I've done some stuff for Miro. Well, I'm actually looking and I'll go through it. But so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of looking through here. It seems like one of the first ones was Jim Ross. Yep. Now, did Jim have to actually copyright his name Jim Ross? Is that what he copyrighted? So his, it, it, we'll get into the stories, but his, um, I had just started doing things for, for wrestlers, for, right, for right. Conrad. And, this is back in 2020, yeah. Um, this probably would have been 19 even. Mm. He was doing an appearance at a Comic-Con type thing in Michigan, not too far from from where I live. And I was actually coming back from Canada. We We had gone to a concert in Windsor, my wife and I and the kids, and and I said, hey, I want to stop at this convention. I, I don't know Jim Ross. I think he's probably good. He does a podcast, but I think he might be switching over to Conrad. I, I just want to go. My in-laws came up and grabbed my wife and kids so I could take the car and go to the show. So I went and uh, you know got an autograph and got a picture and, and sat down next to him. He said, well, that's an interesting picture. Where'd you get that? I said, oh, from eBay. He goes, I wonder who owns it. It was a picture of him and, and the king sitting at the announce booth at, at WWE. And I said, well, you know, I'm an intellectual property attorney, so I could tell you this is probably what it is. And he goes, Really, you do that kind of thing? He said, yeah, I do trademark stuff. You know, I do stuff for Conrad. You do stuff for Conrad? I said, I do. <laughs> and he grabs a little flyer and flips it over and writes down his phone number. And he goes, do you think we could get this? And he flips it back over and it was the voice of wrestling. Mm. I said, subject to a trademark search. Yeah, I don't see why you why you couldn't get that. It's, it's always going to be pending a search and what the search results show. But yeah, I think we can get that. And he's now Circle R, the, the voice, voice of wrestling. wrestling. Right. Yeah. So... Um, just to kind of stick on that a bit, because we, we've talked about this before. So if you Google the voice of wrestling, whatever, um, we can even use, let's say, pain maker, for yeah. example. What are the different qualifications? Because sometimes you'll say, what do you what are you wanting to use this for? Right. Right. For, let's take let's stay with pain maker. And we'll go back to some of your other clients. But yeah. for pain maker, I wanted to uh, 
it's now expanded of the name the imagery mm-hmm. uh, for clothing. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other categories that someone might trademark something for? Yeah. So when it comes to trademarks, it, the, the way the government charges and the way they deal with it, there's 45 different classes. Wow. Each class comes with its own government filing fee. So the more things you cover, the more government filing fees you're going to have to pay. But anything you can think of, there's a class for it. And so you don't own words. You don't own a trademark just generally for anything and everything. You own it for specific goods or specific services. And the test is when you're looking at whether or not it's available, whether or not you're infringing is the similarity of the marks and the relatedness of the goods or services. So what I mean by that? Well, for you, we got pain maker, right? We got pain maker for wrestling and we weren't able to get it for clothing because there's somebody else out there and the trademark office is being unreasonable is the, is the short answer, but they were selling pain maker clothing, but what they were selling was like uh, geese, like combat sports clothes, which they filed it as clothes because there's a clothes class, but there's also like a karate clothes class. It's a different class. Oh, wow. And so when you burrow into the analysis, you're looking at, okay, what are the price points? Are we talking about things that are roughly priced the same? Are we talking about, you know, a Rolex candy that's 75 cents versus a Rolex watch, which is 25 grand, right? That's clearly you're, you're looking at different price points mm. that, that, that matters channels of trade. So, are they all being seen in Walmarts and Kmarts or, or are they being seen in luxury stores? Are they just mail order? All of that matters. You're also going to look at sophistication of the buyers and what kind of decision making process goes into buying something. So a lot of times you'll have this conflict for, for alcohol, for example. If you're selling $200 bottles of bourbon and somebody has some similar but not identical name and they're selling you know, $10 bottles of vodka, is there really going to be confusion? Because mm-hmm. not all liquor stores are going to have two, three, four, five hundred dollar bottles of bourbon and the really cheap stuff. And that's so, what they're trying to combat: confusion in the marketplace. Confusion in the marketplace. That's exactly right. You, the, the test is a likelihood of confusion. Right. Are consumers likely to be confused as to the source of goods or services? So again, you don't cover it words for anything and everything. It's for specific classes of goods. So when you text me or call me and hey, I'm thinking about this mark for this, and I ask you, well, what do you want to use it on? Wrestling services, great. That's an entertainment services class. We can get that. I can look at it and see if it's available. What else? Clothing, video games, action figures, stickers, posters, glassware. I mean, these are all things that you name it. Yeah. You you name it. You know, if you if you pulled up, if we pulled up the WWE registrations or even AEW registrations for the house mark, the company name, you're probably going to see 15, 20, 25 classes of goods. You know, laptop holders and and cell phone cases and anything that WWE can slap their brand on and AEW too, they're going to. Mm-hmm. And so they protect it and they cover that class. So let me ask you a question. Like when it was talking about, uh, for example, um, I remember back in the, in, in the day when websites were a big thing. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to trademark, let's say ChrisJericho.com and somebody else had trademarked it first, there was a, there was a, a, a period of time where they would, you would have to buy it from them. Yep. Do they have anything to stand on now talking to you as an expert? Let's say, I don't know, let's say I'm in Guns N' Roses and somebody never trademarked it and some, you know, low-level band is Guns N' Roses. Yep. Even though I'm in Guns N' Roses, do I still have to try and haggle with them for the trademark? So it, websites and, and trademarks are two different things. I'll gotcha. take them in turn. But trademarks, whoever used first wins always. So wow. if you're the main Guns N' Roses and some little piss ant band comes along, you're going to be able to stop them. Not only from a legal standpoint, but from a practical standpoint. But if it's the other way around. Now they've got a problem. Now, now wow, you're going to. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, uh, not to interrupt you, but a, a good right. friend of mine's uncle was in a Canadian band called Berlin. This is back in the early 80s. Sure. Then when Berlin, no more words, the big band came mm-hmm. out with Terry Nunn. They were pretty popular. They had to buy Berlin yep. from the little Canadian band because they had it first. They came first. Same That's idea, right? right? The, the band, I didn't work on it, but it was a, a local attorney that I knew in, in Toledo, Stained, had a, mm. a similar issue. Wow. That somebody else was using it first, and they had to have a deal so that Stained, the band, could And I remember Bush uh, had that uh, anywhere in the world there were Bush, but in Canada... They had to call themselves like Bush AD or something because mm-hmm. there was a Canadian, like you mentioned earlier, they owned the trademark in the you know area of Canada. Yeah. So they had Bush, the band, had to change it to something else. That's in right. Right, 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 right. It's, it's fascinating. And, and big companies have gotten held up for money in small countries, you know, the Coca-Colas of the world. Right. 
because they didn't do it in Bahrain. And some entrepreneur in Bahrain decided, hey, I'm going to get Coca-Cola. And so they got to buy, they got to pay them off because each trademark, uh, it's, it's a territorial thing. So your trademark right. is only good where you are and where you use. So the U.S. trademark is good in the U.S. That's it. That's it, right? So you got to have a Canadian trademark if you want to protect it in Canada and, and use it in Canada. So so let's go back to, to more of, of your wrestling guys. So kind of going through Gallows and Anderson seem to be kind of next. Yep. Uh, and then um, FTR. So, so let me just ask you this. In the case of FTR, which basically trademarked three letters, mm-hmm. and that's something that's completely like I, I guess i'm asking some things are kind of public domain or some things aren't like can you like gene will tell you gene simmons he's copywritten yeah. coca-cola motion pictures the money sign like aren't these things kind of just public domain like ftr you can copyright three letters you can because a, a trademark it, there there are instances where you can't um i'll try to think of one off the top of my head while i'm telling the story but you can trademark anything because it's it's a source identifier. That's what a trademark is. It's a source gotcha. identifier. So if nobody else is out there using the dollar sign for you know their brand of vodka, why can't you? Right. Why can't that be your brand? It can be. You know, people could still use the dollar sign. You're not going to be able to stop anybody yeah. from doing that. <laughs> but using it as part of their brand name for their vodka, that could be a problem. It's interesting to me because because like I said before, we we were kind of exposed to you yeah mostly like i remember when i first started in aw uh i was copywriting a lot of different things and there was a little bit of division in it like well you can't really copyright and i was like i'm just copywriting everything whoever owns it is fine like we've done that in the past before mm-hmm. we copy wrote chaos project right we copy wrote king of hearts for martha hart just so they would have it nobody else could kind of zoom in and and, and take it That's away right Right. So or do you work in conjunction with AEW? Do they know of your existence? Oh, you very much so. I'm sure they have. <laughs> they, right, right. They do. And it's 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 interesting um, because I'm always on the opposite side of the table from them. But it's a good and friendly relationship versus, you know, the other side, WWE. It's very much contentious always for no reason. It doesn't have to be contentious. We we can be on the opposite sides of the table and agree that we're all going to get to some point. Let's just figure out what that point is and get there and do it right. in a friendly fashion. And you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm dumping on them that they're the evil empire. No, but, but I mean, they, they definitely do things that way. Very much. I so. mean, I can tell you, like I said, there's a million things that I came up with there that I don't own the copyright for because you're just not allowed to copyright anything. Yeah, you can't do it. Right. They do it. So, but AEW, you know, you you mentioned Billy Gunn. That's that's how I met him, and that's how I started helping him. Is WWE had sent him and them a cease and desist letter because he. Had done the the uh, casino battle royal, right? I think right. that was his yeah, debut. He, yeah, he was, and he yeah. came in his Billy Gunn. He was wearing the lime green tights, and he was doing the crotch chop and all of that. And WWE came in and said, "You know, this is a problem." And and sent a cease and desist to everybody. And AEW said, "Hey, we want to help you, but we can't help you. You work for us. Like we we aren't your legal counsel. Call Mike because they knew me from various other people right. and other things. And so, you know, Billy called me, and the rest is history. And now he's hey, help how, my sons. Uh, let me ask you a question though." How can WWE, because I remember thinking about this, how is Billy Gunn, who is in the WWE Hall of Fame, who was part of a huge faction, DX, mm-hmm. was a, a, a big time performer there, they never copywrote the name Billy Gunn? They they did. I, if I remember right, they did and then let it go abandoned. And then he came in and, and scooped it up. And he scooped it up uh, in 2000, it would have been 2016, I think, maybe 2017, 2016. And got it registered and they didn't say anything for years and he's out doing the indies and doing all these things as billy gunn and they never said anything and there are defenses under the law you can't just let your neighbor start building a wall on your property and then wait till he gets done and it's 10 feet high and then say hey that wall's on my property you need to tear it down or now i own it you can't do that you can't sit there and sleep on your rights Uh, and let somebody do something and then say later oh no never mind you can't do that and that's essentially what they had said and that's what or that's what we were going to say to them i should say but interestingly you know he had signed various contracts with them along the way hall of fame and legends deals and this sort of thing and there was some language in there that saved the day so i was able to write them a pound sand letter and shockingly never heard back from them wow so they they pounded the table and they were angry and we need a response we need a response we need a response so you know interesting i've got the copy of this contract if you'd like one i'm happy to share it with you signed by your vice president that acknowledges we own the trademark. So 
I don't see what the problem is. Nothing. And so then, then it was work with AEW and, and they said, well, what do you think? Do you, we think you should reach out to him. I said, I don't think so. I don't think you back a rabid dog into a corner and then go poking at it. <laughs> Just let it be. They're not going to say anything. I, I was like, I would bet my life on it. They will not say anything because it's a losing proposition and they're not going to take the L, right? They'll just pretend it never back happens. Back away, right? Yeah, just exactly. back away. So, so here's what I propose. I think that you guys should, in a week or two, put it on your roster. Take it. It just says Billy right now, but put it Billy Gunn. Leave well, it. Just for, Billy before. Yeah. And make it Billy Gunn. Leave it for a couple months. Two months from now, whenever he comes out, have have Jim Ross, have Tony Schiavone, call him Billy Gunn. Don't put it on the graphic. Just call him that. Do it verbally. Do that for a month or two. Because if they if they didn't see the website, nobody's monitoring the website, they've surely got people watching the show. Right. And we'll hear it on the show. And that know that he used to work there and was a coach there and all these things. There. If they watch the show for a few months and still don't say anything, that's when you put it in a graphic. And then put it in a graphic a couple months after that and see if they say anything. Right. And that's exactly the, what they did. And they've never said anything. But the good news is for him, when you protect a trademark and you get it registered, Five years later, five years after registration, you have to renew it. And part of that renewal process is you file an affidavit to make your registration incontestable. So it's not truly incontestable. It's kind of a misnomer. But the ways in which you can test the registration are almost impossible. It makes it very hard. It's very special circumstances. So they can now not contest his ownership of Billy Gunn. It's done. Wow, that's interesting. I, I think so. <laughs> that's why I love doing that's this. That's why you do it, yeah. yeah. And by the way, it was Bush X. I'm going to hear about it. It wasn't Bush AD, it was Bush, Bush X. Okay, well, let me ask you another one, because there's a couple of these things. Um, now that we're now that uh, I got all these things coming back to me. So Cody leaves WWE. Mm-hmm. His father is legendary status, Dusty Rhodes. Yep. He's going by Cody Rhodes. WWE won't allow him to use Cody Rhodes... Because it's trademarked, yep. Even though Dusty Rhodes is not trademarked, and that's his father, is 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 that a loophole? Where did they really? Could they really get away with that? Or, did, or how did how did how did that all that sound to you when that happened? It, it well nonsense, of course. But right. it, they they're interesting in what they choose to enforce and what they choose not to enforce. Because you'll have guys, boy, let's try to think one off the top of my head. But somebody who will leave and have. Oh, Enzo. Enzo Amore, right? Enzo, he leaves the company and then becomes NZO. Right. It's still Enzo. And they don't say anything about it. But at the same time, you got to remember, this is the company that said, uh, there's a guy who works for AW now. He was Taz with one Z. I was going to ask that. We're going to make him Taz with two Zs. And How does that work? It yeah. doesn't. It's, it was bullshit. Because the explanation, as far as I understand from my conversations with Taz, was they said, well, we're going to have a problem with Warner Brothers. But, you know, we don't own it with one Z and that's different enough. That's not true. That's not true at all. Phonetics matter. Sure. You can't add a Z instead of an S or an intentional misspelling or take out a vowel and, and say, well, these are different marks so they can coexist. You know, we should get our own registration. That's not how it works. That's not what the law says. That's just a line that gets fed to people who don't know better. Rhino with an I versus Rhino with a Y. I was, gonna, I was specifically going to ask you about Rhino and Taz next. So what you're saying is because... Because they came from the smaller company in ECW mm-hmm. to WWE, Taz with one Z in ECW, Taz with two Zs in WWE, yep. Rhino with a Y in ECW, Rhino with an I in WWE. Yep. And because they were the bigger company, they just kind of bullied their way in and said, don't, don't pra- hassle it. Practical versus legal. I, mm-hmm. I tell that to all my clients, wrestling or otherwise, nearly on a daily basis. Can we win? Absolutely can we win. What's it going to cost for us to win? Right. And, and what are you going to get out of it? Yes. Yeah. And so- you know, if you want to fight the good fight and pay, and, and I use this line all the time, the only people who are going to win this, I can promise you, it's going to be the lawyers. I don't want to win that. I don't want to be the one who's yeah. just getting a bu- bunch of money and you're left unhappy. I will counsel you and tell you what I think, give you my opinion, what I think realistically could happen and what it could cost and what I think you should do at the end of the day. It's your decision. But fighting WWE, that's not an Didn't easy fight. you and I have a discussion about this? I don't want to get into the reasons about it, but we there did. was an initial idea that I had yep. where if it wasn't you, it was your associate who said, okay, how much money are you going to spend? Yep. And in return, how much money are you going to make? That's right. And it's like, you have to kind of sit back and go, Eesh. yeah, it, you know? I, it, like it was, the, it was me and you and I had that conversation. Like hey, let's, let's throw out numbers and let's do the math and let's calculate all the dividing and all of this. And where do you end up? Are we going to spend you're going to spend a, a million and a million get 100000 back. To get 400000 back. And like, is it really worth it? Right, right, right. 
And, you know, if it's worth it to try to knock him down a peg, fine. I don't think it's worth it, but that's, you know, it's not my money. So. But that that explains the Rhino Taz question. But what about the Cody question? Yeah. So, so they would say, you know, they let Enzo or Taz right, or whatever. Right, NZO, yeah. They let all those things go. But then they say, well, you know, Cody Rhodes is ours. Well, wait a minute. Dusty Rhodes came first. So what's the difference? It's just like, family name, basically. Yeah, and it's yeah. a family name. This is kind of a nonsense argument, but are you going to fight him? Are you going to burn that bridge fighting him over IP and not potentially, you know, don't burn any bridge. That's a recommendation I give to new lawyers and people all the time. If you can avoid it, avoid it. Don't burn the bridge. So you just kind of move on, but you know, they don't own dusty roads. No, I understand. So, so my point is, so, but legally, technically they can do that and say, you're not allowed to be Cody Rhodes. You have to be Cody because they owned the registration. They used to own the registration. So then how did, did they just let it go? Or was, oh, there was some kind of a trade-off or something like this? There there was something put into place. There were conversations right, right, right. that were there, had. There and, was a deal made where Cody could get it back. Because I thought it was pretty smart for a while when it was, uh, he couldn't use Cody Rhodes, so he, he would come to the ring with Brandy. It would be Cody and Brandy Rhodes. Yes. It's very <laughs> clever. And they didn't say anything about it, right? Which is nonsense. Because in WWE, she was Brandy, mm-hmm. not Brandy Rhodes. That's right. You know what I mean? It's, it's it really is a fine line between. And they all don't these say things. anything about Dustin Rhodes, and I've never said anything about Dustin Rhodes. Interesting, and why? Well, because well, he was Dustin Rhodes in WCW. He was Dustin Rhodes in right? WCW. Well, interestingly, so it, it's funny how some things I remember so vividly. I was I was riding the lawnmower, I'm mowing my yard, <laughs> and I'm riding around, and I got a text from a buddy, and I'm listening to podcasts or whatever I'm mowing, and I pull out my phone. He says, "Hey, I thought this was interesting. I found this Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling Program." That gotcha. was Dusty's promotion right. in Florida. Check this out. And he sends me a couple pictures of it. And one of them is a page of the Stardust kid, Cody Rhodes, as a referee. This is years before he was a they WWE. They called him the Stardust kid. They called him the Stardust kid. <laughs> wow. Cody Rhodes. And he he also went by Cody Rhodes his senior year when he wrestled in high school. Oh, because he knew he wow. was going to take a scholarship. And I shut off the lawnmower. And I jumped off. And I called my buddy and said, Send me that immediately. Overnight it. I will reimburse you. Send it to me. And he was like, uh, okay. This is evidence that he was Cody Rhodes before he was ever at WWE. Wow. So, again, it's whether or not you want to fight it and spend the money to fight him, but it's pretty open and shut case. He was using Cody Rhodes in the wrestling space. I want to say it was like eight years right. before he ever went to WWE. And according to what we've discussed already, that would say that he had precedent. He at least has it in Florida, if, if not Georgia. And- but then you have to worry about going into the firefight with right. him. But we didn't have to do that. But the point was, oh my gosh, here's this proof. And I scoured the internet. I scoured everywhere trying to find, because it did get aired on television, his championship wrestling match his senior year in high school, where he didn't go as Cody Runnels. He went as Cody, Cody Rhodes, Rhodes. And that was on the graphics on the TV. But the, the network that did it, it was kind of like a, a regional. Local, yeah. Didn't exist anymore. Uh, and so I started reaching out to people. Hey, it, I think you used to work here. Do you know what happened? Do they have archives? And I just wasn't hearing back from anybody. But I was trying to unter- overturn every rock and try well, to find it. So, so that leads me to, to what you just presented me with an amazing plaque today for the uh, <laughs> trademark on Clint Bobsky. Now, Clint Bobsky, for, for people listening, is a character I played when uh, WWE did this thing called Southpaw Regional Wrestling, which is a very funny, at least the first season. The second season was not good. But the first season was the idea was they found these old wrestling tapes from the 80s, yep. and all of us, WWE people, were playing these 80s characters. And they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, I'll do it. I want to be the, the, the backstage announcer. Clint Bobsky. Now, Clint Bobsky was a name I used in college in Winnipeg in 1989 and 1990 because I took a course called Creative Communications, long story longer, where we did television, radio, we were on the air, we were learning about how to edit, how to be on camera, how to do everything. It was a very cool course. And so whenever I did a character on screen, the name was Clint Clint Bobsky. Bobsky. It was just a stupid, funny thing that my friend and I came up with. So... I had used Clint Bobsky in, in South Bar Regional as, as the announcer. And then uh, early on in AEW, Cody did this piece where he was like very serious and he had Diamond Dallas Page and his mom and all these people kind of talking about 
Cody as a, as a, as a man and how he came to be. And I thought I have to parody this. And so instead of using DDP, I used Virgil, mm-hmm. uh, uh, instead of using Cody's mom, I used an old lady from church, quote unquote, and her name was Patricia Bobsky. Somehow, and you can help me with this, WWE heard about this and filed a claim. I it, I wasn't involved with that, but I remember when you told me. I okay. said, what on earth we are heard they claiming? some kind of a claim. I, I remember AEW Legal got a call or a letter or an email from WWE Legal <laughs> saying you cannot use the word name. You cannot use the name Bobsky because it's our intellectual property. This was not even Clint. This, and I was like, I used Clint Bobsky 30 yeah. years ago. It's it's nonsense. It was bullying nonsense. Complete pettiness for, yes. for Bobsky? Right. Of all the, the names. So <laughs> if anything they're gonna fight, they're gonna go after that one. Well okay. that's the thing. And then so anyways, I just to be cheeky right back, decided to trademark the name Clint Bobsky and you have just handed me one of the uh famous Mike Dawkins framed which I have about a thousand of these things at my house now. You gotta you gotta stop. Clint Bobsky, but that's that just it shows just kind of some of the reasons why, as Gene Simmons says, copyright everything. Yeah, yeah, it's fun, and and you know I I do the I, I do a frame for multiple reasons. The primary reason is handing somebody something in a Manila folder just seems lame. No, but it's become, so, it's become your gimmick. Like it has. And just for people who don't know, whenever Mike files and registers and completes the trademark, yep. you hand said person whether it's matt cardona or the guns the billy gun colton gun austin gun the gun club every gun in the middle down house yeah. i'm just looking through ftr yeah uh, and you will hand them this framed document yeah I, I want people to be as proud that they own their name and their gimmick as i am proud to help them do it because i think it's a cool thing it's not it's something cool it, there's so many people that could have and should have done it in the 60s and 70s and 80s and, and 90s and all that before it became a everybody's under a talent contract, you know, kind of thing. And no, nobody did it. Very few people did it. I right. can't say no one. Very few people didn't. And and then you just, like I said, when I got into it, I just kept reading all these stories about so-and-so got released and they got a cease and desist and they can't use this name. And, you know, so they're legally changing their name to Ryback or, you know, whatever it is right, to, to try right, right. to game the, the, the system. <laughs> and I thought, boy. They, people need to own their own shit. They need to be able to go. Well, totally. So is this kind of like similar to when, like, when the Dudley Boys, who were a very popular act in ECW, mm-hmm. they come to WWE and when they leave, now they have to go to Impact as Team 3D. Yep. And I think Devon's name is really Devon, so he can mm-hmm. be Brother Devon. <laughs> Excuse me. Bubba becomes Bully Ray. Yep. Is that something that they could legally prove they had a president to? Yeah, they, they had their, what was their, they were... When one place they were the Dudleys, another place they were the Dudley Boys, right? Just like the Hardys versus the Hardy Boys. Yeah, and the Dudleys was ECW, Dudley Boys was WWE. Yeah, so they so WWE got to own Dudley Boys. They couldn't stop them from being the Dudleys, right. unless they assigned, unless they sold those rights or somehow. But ECW somehow they accrued those rights where they had to become Team 3D. Right. So but they could have fought it, but then we go back to the if you, you want fight City Hall sort of thing. That's right. If you want to come back to the company, which we know they did. And they got into their Hall of Fame, you know, raise an objection, raise your hand and say, no, this doesn't seem right. No, this is this should be ours. But if they put their feet down, then. Right. You know, it's a business decision at that point. So let me ask you this. And this is something that we can talk about because this is my career and you can be as full disclosure as you want to be on this. Sure. Uh, we started working together. Gosh, probably a couple of years ago. I don't. Do you remember what was the first trademark I even used? Le Champion, maybe, or no? Um, it would have been what would it Alpha. Be? Was it when I was with New Japan? Maybe. Pain it was, maker it, it might have been Painmaker. It might have been Painmaker, and oh, leading to some of the things that you referenced earlier. A um, little bit of the bubbly. Gotcha. So a little bit of bubbly was very early on. AW Painmaker yep. was using in New Japan. So right. I, I think I think you're right. Painmaker might have been the first. But anyways. By the time I got to AW, we were already working together. Yes. You, um, and this still is very strange to me, but like I said, we can talk as much as you want to talk about this. When I came to AEW, and we talked earlier right here on this show that I mentioned I have owned the name Chris Jericho Mm -hmm. since late 98, been using it since my very first match, October 2nd, 1990, have the program from Pinocchio, Alberta to prove it. 
when I left WWE, you found out that they had trademarked my name yep. in every single country <laughs> that either I had been or that they run their TV in. Yeah, so they have, this is a very, it's evil genius is, is the term I'll use. Evil genius on their part. They make as part of their contracts. Okay, Chris, you list out everything that's yours, that you own, the wrestler IP. Then you would have listed in the end, you know, right. Chris Jericho and any of those things that, that Jericho and... Uh, Talk is Jericho, you know, yeah. I, think, I think I think the Millennium Man was in there. Some very random was yeah. Y2J Bug or some shit like that. Right. Like, yeah. uh, you know, Lion Salt you might have put yeah. in there, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, right. And, and they say, that's great. You own that. Uh, but then they put this provision in their agreement. You know, these agreements are 30 pages long, as you know. Yeah. They're long as hell. And one of the provisions says, you know, you agree that while you are here with us, we have the right to file in our own name for your IP. So they're able to, by contract, because you agreed to let them, and everybody agrees. I'm not, not saying Chris Jericho screwed up. It's just part of their common contract that says they can file for your IP owned by WWE. So that's while you're under contract. Right. So then when you're not under contract, they're not allowed to own it anymore. The problem is most people forget, don't look into it, don't do it, go back and say, well, what did they protect? And so when you and I started working together, I, I said, well, yeah, you do own Chris Jericho. You're right. So do they. Like, they do? <laughs> yeah, they do. I think I, I had these conversations with Barry, and then Barry said, Chris is going to want to hear this. Let's call yeah. him. So we got on a three-way call. And so, yeah, they own it for, you know, this, that, and the other. I said, I, I mean, I think we should ask for it back or at least ask them to abandon it. They shouldn't have anything in their name. And so reached out to them and they were very easy to work with. Slow, but easy to work with. And they said, okay, you know, we'll sign it. We'll sign it to back to Chris. And so I, I tried to make life easier for them. I sent them an assignment that I had prepared. It's kind of a one-page document. Very simple, very straightforward. Just says, we're, this is who we are. This is what we own. This is who you are. You're going to own it. We transfer it. Has the magic language you need in there, and that's it. They send back their version, and it's like three and a half pages long. They of put course. they just overly complicate it, and I kind of understand why. What they're doing is restating all the rights they have, which is, hey, while Chris worked here, we got to use his image on pay per views and TV shows, and we can do that in perpetuity. Of course they can. I mean, you would never fight that. Nobody would fight that. That's just part of the contract and part of the deal of wrestling for a TV program. Anyway, they send the assignment and, and got it back. And they said, you know, we, we didn't list all of them, all of the trademarks in that contract. We added them as an attachment. And I flipped over the attachment and it's like 45 countries. Whoa. And dude, and when he says 45 countries, we're talking Thailand, Taiwan, New Zealand, Lithuania, Australia, Austria, Austria Singapore, Austria. Um, you name it, Europe, Zimbabwe, Timbuktu, yeah, like every f country that they probably have a television program yeah. in. Chris Jericho was trademarked. Yeah, and you had no idea. I had no idea. I remember showing it to you. You said, hey, Chris, you need to sign this so I can send it back. It, it was after some Dynamite or some pay-per-view or something. <laughs> you looked at you looked at it and you go, what the hell is this? <laughs> I said, yeah, this is I was pissed because, once again, this is behind my back. Yeah. And I was. I remember saying, but, dude, I own Chris Jericho. And you said, yes, you do, but they. That, that contract, that one provision. Borrowed it. Yeah. While you were there. And then it's almost like if you subscribe to. I don't know. Let's say I, I, I subscribe to Hulu because I want to see freaking, I don't know, Fast Foodies. And as soon as Fast Foodie season is over, I don't want to subscribe anymore, but I forget. Yeah. And they just keep charging keep me every charging. month and That's don't right. tell you. This is kind of the same thing. They yeah. just trademark it until you happen to remember. Like, until oh, you happen really? To... We forgot about this. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. And that, you know, I, don't, I don't think I'm telling any state secrets here, but whenever I showed that to you, you go, come here. We need to go talk to Matt. And Matt Hardy had just gotten with the company. That's right. And you showed it to him and, and you were like, Matt, you might want to look at this. And Matt, I'm happy to find out for you. And he was like, are you serious? And he looked at it. He flipped it over and like, my God, they're everywhere. Had they done the same thing to him? Not everywhere, but yes. Jeez. It's not not as many countries. I want to say it's like six instead of so, 45. So, so and I, I asked at the time and, and you, you, you made me understand it for, for people listening. If I own the trademark and they had put a trademark in for i don't know new zealand let's say mm -hmm. what exactly are they owning in new zealand that i don't own in new zealand so what it, it kind of goes back to that coca-cola thing i said that you know if coca-cola were in bahrain and somebody in bahrain went ahead and picked it up 
and, and started using Coca-Cola there, then Coca-Cola can't come in and be Coca-Cola. They have to be something else or buy them out. Oh. So if this is the big market where they are going to have the, the network or Peacock or whatever they happen to put into place, or they're going to do big tours, you'd be worried that some indie goof in New Zealand where you've never been, say, so wow, I mean, that's a popular name there. I bet I can get some attention and buzz in New Zealand. People intentionally, of course, he's trading on your good name. Mm. I'm going to be Chris Jericho and people are going to think, oh my gosh, the WWE guy, the AEW guy, he's here. So that's what they're trying to prevent is... Some goof ripping gotcha. off your name. Somebody, you know, China's the wild, wild west of IP. And you'll have people just sitting around. What can we steal? Let's get Chris Jericho dot China, you know, dot CN or dot whatever. And then try to hold you up and sell it to you. Mm. Clients all the time. All my corporate clients all the time will get solicitations, emails, letters. that says, hey, you know, just so you know, well, they, these domains were, were registered in China. And it will involve your trademarks. And, you know, if, if you want to, you know, we can stop them, but it's going to cost you $700. Say, hey, is this legit? Right. I said, it, it may or may not be legit that somebody registered it, but this is a stick up letter. Like this is not, mm-hmm. do not respond to it. If you're interested in it, you're concerned with it because you're going to have a market in China, then let me work with the Chinese attorneys that I work with and have worked with for decades. Let, let us let them look into it. Because they're people we know and trust, right. not some solicitation right, right, letter. Right, 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 right. But if you're not going to go to China, who cares? Some well, that's the thing. spent the money and let them. Well, and, and that's the thing I was laughing about because you said like WWE had to spend money in each of these territories. Oh, thousands it, of dollars. You said place. they probably lost about 50 grand just by us realizing they were doing that. Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had to have invested. You know, if you think about the U.S. getting a registration here, it all depends, of course, on what the trademark office says, but it's going to be somewhere between typically $1,500 to $3,000. Hmm. It could be more if it's a big fight for some reason. It could be less because it sails through and there's no issues. So if you think that on average they spent two dollars $2,500 to get a registration in each of those countries, some will be more, some will be less yeah. just because those countries are more expensive. But yeah, I think they spent hundred grand to get God. them on file. And then, and they had no claim. Once, once we realize, it's like, hey, that's... That's not your IP. That's, that's my shoe. Give it back. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Wow. That still blows my mind. Yeah. I would assume that's probably commonplace for anybody that that's there. You there's know? there's a lot of you. You were the first person I helped get their stuff back. You certainly weren't the last. Mm. So there's lots of people that are realizing that. Oh wait, that was my name. And they wait, they registered it. I'm like yeah, I mean you you let them. It's part of your contract. Well, it was funny when I guess I kept getting bills from you, and then this is not like obviously it's not you sitting there billing me unfairly, but it's like I was like I don't need to renew this every fifty five countries. Like, right? You know, I don't think Chris Jericho is ever going to be in you know Latvia. We could probably (laughs) let that one go, right? (laughs) Yeah. At first, at first when I showed it to him, like you might want to take some time to look at, and you know, this is probably two in the morning. Yeah. You know, after a show, and we're hanging out and having cocktails. Like, you might want to look at this and pare this down. It might not make good business decisions yeah. to, to renew in Singapore. That might not be a place yeah. you go ever yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it, it can be very expensive. I mean, you think about uh, big multinational companies, WWE, for an example, they have registrations all over God's creation mm-hmm. for their, you know, pay-per-view names, for their company name, for their the talent that they have. and all. I mean, I can only, I, I should look it up just out of my own curiosity where they have Stone Cold registered i bet it's oh, probably everywhere everywhere it's got steve be. steve does steve own stone cold i nope. don't think he does he doesn't they yeah. own it even i know even on his social medias it's sac and it's you know broken skull which i think is is the term that he created to kind of because he couldn't use smoking take skull. over could use him smoking skull he couldn't that's the smoking skull oh, was gotcha. theirs and so he had the broken skull ranch and and that's it's everything of his is broken skull broken skull broken skull have you had any other kind of uh instances like that where somebody couldn't own the trademark that they're known for so they kind of have to kind of pair off into something similar i mean just about anybody who left there and came here really i mean that's uh who's who's going you know uh, miro right that's his real name yeah you know he can't be rusev mm-hmm. nor nor do i think he wanted to be but no you can't do that yeah right. but he couldn't do that so in, any of those guys what but, about a name like christian for example i mean he's he was christian in wwe but then he goes to impact then he's back in wwe now he's in aw and he's christian all the time so he was christian cage right before he ever went to wwe ah gotcha and then 
Taz with one Z, Taz with two Zs. Well, Christians get close enough to it, it's different enough from Christian Cage. It's okay, right? Even though Christian Cage was just a low level indie guy, it wasn't like Taz and ECW who right. was on national pay per view and all that sort of right. thing. Gotcha. But, they, but that's why they do it because they want to own the name. That's a tale's oldest time as far as WWE sure. is concerned. Well, you can't be you can't be Christian. You happen to have a following and, and be popular enough, so. They wanted to keep your name. That yeah, had that cachet. was half the value. Yes, right. It was that was a lot of the value of, of having you, aside from in ring talent. And so they they let you keep it, of course, because mm-hmm. that was good. But some of these, you know, oh, this is a guy that we had in OVW or wherever. That's not a national company. No, we're gonna have we're gonna brand them. We're gonna give them a name. We're gonna own it. And it's interesting because they went through a phase, like I said, in the, in the '90s, where everyone had their real names: John mm-hmm. Cena, Randy Orton, Dave Batista, etc. Well, Batista, they took the U out, just so they could own Batista with an A. Correct. But what's the difference? Taz with two Z's. Exactly. What's the difference, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. There isn't one because if you if I say Dave Batista, did I just tell you his WWE name, or did I tell you his legal name? You don't know, right? Because whether there's a it's U the or same. not, Taz, it's the same. Taz. Yeah, right. But now they're kind of going back to giving everybody names and all this sort of thing, like yep. even to the point where there's a guy called Rick Boogs, mm-hmm. whose real name is Rick Boogenhagen. I'm like, that's a way cooler name than Rick Boogs. Right. But would that be used just because they want to own that name? 100%. Gotcha. Be- I, the first that I remember of, of a guy saying, nah, I'm going to use my legal name. And I'm sure there are plenty of people that use their legal names before that, but was Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. Right. They broke them all. Oh, I can't be Diesel. I can't be Razor Ramon. Pound sand. I'm going to go by my legal name because you can never stop me from and using remember, my legal name. And I remember, this is a true story, sitting in, um, uh, what's it called? The Omni, the, uh, CNN Towers, whatever it's called in Atlanta, when I had my first meeting with Eric Bischoff. And we were talking about the NWO. And he was. they were about to come in. And I said, what are you going to call them? He said, like, we're going to call them... Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And I remember laughing with my friend. They're going to call him like gasoline and Phil Phil or something like that. <laughs> and it was like, no, we're Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. I remember thinking like, those aren't rock star names. Of course, they became rock star names. But right. that was Bischoff's thing. Like you said, and probably Kevin and Scott's idea where you can't take these names away from us. Yeah, there are names. Right. 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 It, it's very interesting because like I said, like there's so much of that intellectual property where guys don't really understand it mm-hmm. you know like for example like the list of jericho i used what did i use the lexicon i can't remember what it was i had to make a list of, of of guys i wanted to fight yes and it wasn't called the lexicon of jericho it was the lexicon of something or other and i remember thinking like are they gonna come after me for this because i used the kind of a list like thing uh and they didn't but could they have because the list of Jericho I created there, mm-hmm. but by proxy of creating it in WWE, it's now there. If they wanted to really push it, they could have because, if you remember, I mentioned the when it comes to trademark, it's the similarity of the marks and the relatedness of the goods or services. Right. So let's look at the relatedness of goods or services. It's on wrestling stuff. It's on entertainment. That's identical, right? So now we got to look at, well, what about the, the trademarks? And so what you're saying is, why well, used a synonym. So it's not the same word. It's so a different word. The lexicon word. of Le Champion is what it was. By okay, the way. so that's very much different. Yeah, but yeah. if you use the lexicon of Jericho, that's a little closer. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, wait a minute. So it's one word different. They both start with L. They both kind of mean the same thing. They can make a fight out of that. I don't think they would, because again, Taz with one Z, Taz with two Z, different enough. It's hard to stand. Well, like you said, on and, that and, and even like I was thinking, like I had Eugene on the show last year, and he uses you dash Gene. I mean, yeah. come on, you can't do that. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, they just choose not to bug them. They choose not to bug them. Yes, (laughs) they could if they wanted to. Because I was even thinking as we start to wind down with my last book was the list of the complete list of Jericho, Mm -hmm. and obviously the list of Jericho is, dare I say, an iconic prop from that 2016-17 era. But I love the idea of the list of Jericho because it was the list of every match I ever had. Mm -hmm. The complete list of Jericho. I thought that might be enough. Could they have come after me for that? I've already sold 10,000 books, so I no, should be okay. They can't because uh, you didn't use it in the trademark sense. As silly as that sounds, you cannot trademark the title of a book. You can trademark a title of a series of books. So if you've got a one-off book, the complete list of, of Jericho, that's just the name of a title of a book. There's been a lot of books that have the same name, a lot of movies that have had the same name over the years. But when you have a series of books like Chicken Soup for the Soul, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, Chicken Soup for the right. Dog Lover Soul, that you can trademark. And they have. They have trademarked that because it's a series of books. 
but a one-off book that's not trademark use. So the last couple of things, like, so how can you have, let's say, for example, the Briscoe brothers, mm-hmm. Jerry and Jack, and then you have the Briscoes, who are brothers, mm-hmm. Jay and uh, I'm not sure I can't remember the other cat's name, but but so they're obviously the modern day tag team. That that's could could the Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry, have had a claim against the other Briscoe brothers? Uh, they could have if if they were still actively using the trademark in some sense so you have to keep using a trademark oh i see and that's like for example when kevin smith and i came up with greens and grains which was going to be our movie review show and i trademarked it yep and then you said you haven't used this at all and then it just goes away right yeah you know you you can start the process for a trademark based on a quote-unquote intent to use and it goes through the exact same process as if you'd said hey trademark office i'm using it but eventually get to the point where you have to prove use and then you say well i can't prove you said i'm gonna get an extension so then you as as you tend to have with government things you pay a fee you get another six months and that six month expires like hey chris have you guys started using this yet no okay we're gonna move forward um with an extension or we're gonna let it go well it's extended so i think we ended up extending it a couple times you said yeah yeah i don't i just don't think we're yeah yeah yeah. we just don't have time kevin's busy i'm busy right let's let it go it's Jay and Mark Briscoe, by the way. But the other one I was going to ask about is when the Hardy Boys came in. I remember first hearing about the Hardy Boys. I was a big Hardy Boys fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Not Matt and Jeff, but Joe and Frank. The, yep. the, 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 the guys, books. the oh, kids who solved mysteries. Yeah. Also played by Sean Cassidy and Parker Steve- Stevenson. So was that okay to use the Briscoe? Uh, sorry, the, 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 the Hardy Boys? So they you would have had Hardy Boys who are not people, right? Not real people. Yeah. Not real characters in the sense that they were portrayed by humans. It was a series of books. So you're talking about printed goods, which is uh, whatever class printed goods, 2021, 20, something like this. That's so that you have Hardy Boys for printed materials over here. That's protected. That's branded. That's fine. And then you've got Hardy Boys over here in class 41, entertainment services, professional wrestling and live stuff. Two very different classes. Lots of people have the same trademarks. For such different things, they, they're allowed to coexist. Again, goes back to, is there a likelihood of confusion? Mm-hmm. So Nike's a bad example because they're famous, very famous marks get treated very differently. But if I were to tell you, well, I'm going to start selling Nike branded spatulas and kitchen pots and pans and things like that. Would you think that a shoe company makes that? Probably not. So that'd be okay. But because Nike's famous, they can get away with stopping right. that sort of thing. But lesser famous brands that you know i'm selling tires and you're selling <laughs> shampoo like tire companies don't sell shampoo and shampoo companies don't sell tires no likelihood of confusion i remember when metallica a few years ago i think maybelline put out a metallic lipstick and metallica the band like filed the trademark and it's like eh, i think you guys will be okay yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and the, metallica probably it, they could probably thank gene for this but it, it's not unheard of for musicians to have cosmetic lines so we kind of what I mentioned before, when you talk about channels of trade sense, and things yeah. like that, bridging the gap is kind of something you look at. Is it likely the natural area of expansion? Is it likely that this company would come out with that kind of product? You know, is it likely that a band would come out with caskets? Right. Well, right. one did. Yeah. <laughs> is it likely that a band's going to come out with cosmetics? Plenty of them have. Yeah. So they actually, you know, do you want to fight Maybelline? I don't know. Probably not worth it, but. They probably could have fought it in one because if it's not Metallica. You probably could though. Yeah, Metallica absolutely. Versus Maybelline. That's a trademark battle. I like to see. Yeah. A couple last things. We talked about maybe filing a. I think we have already. Um, Painmaker. The, the image of the Painmaker. Yes. Obviously, Kiss. I'm sure has the Demon, Spaceman, Catman, the Star yep. Child. How do you file a trademark on image on a makeup on, on like for example the Painmaker with the the, yeah. the, the image of the Painmaker the look the character yep. how do you do that so it, it, it's interesting um kiss as far as i know were the first to do face makeup as a as a trademark mcdonald's has done it too for a good old ronald mcdonald oh, yeah uh and and i have personally done two for wrestlers and one of which i think i think as of three days ago it was approved it had gone through the publication period and it'll it'll issue into a registration but danhausen danhausen right will be the first as far as I know, the first wrestling makeup to ever be registered. Painmaker's probably going to be number two. Good point. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And and I, I even looked at WWE. Did they ever do it for Warrior? Or did they ever do it for the Road Warriors? Did they ever do it for Demolition? And they filed some things for Ultimate Warrior that looks like the face paint. But they, it's because they made a graphic. What they protected was like the logo. So to, 
pull his mm. face paint off, slap it on a piece of paper. Right, like the warrior logo used to be the yes. dingo face. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so that's that's what they protected, and mm. they protected it in the wrestling space, but they did not provide as the specimen of use. Hey, here's well, I guess it was Jim Warrior at the end, or Warrior Warrior, but mm-hmm. here's Jim Helwig's face, and here's the makeup. They they never did that, and nobody had ever done it, which is stunning to me because it's a source identifier. Sure, if I see the warrior makeup or the sting makeup or something like that, I'm thinking, Oh, I know who that guy yeah. is, or that must be his protege or, you know, somebody masks is another one. I think that if a lot of times masks change because guys like to change their gear and have, you don't have to do a specific color. If you've got the same cut and look to your mask every time, it's just, well, this one's the St. Patrick's day one. And this right, one's right, right. a, then you could register your mask so nobody else can have a mask. That is confusingly similar to yours. It's the same with face paint. But that's huge in Mexico, too. That's why a lot of times when, like, somebody leaves, like, La Parca leaves AAA and goes to EMLL, he can't take that name or character look with him. Right. Uh, Mystico in Mexico, when mm-hmm. he came to WWE, he had to become Sin Cara with a different kind of look. Right. They own the trademark of that superhero that's, character. And that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. It, that's a trademark because yeah, you yeah, look yeah, at yeah, it like, right, I know sure. what I'm going to get from that guy. I know what those matches are going to look like. I know that I'm going to get these sorts of moves. I'm going to get the chest pounding and the stinger splash in the corner. I'm going to get the scorpion death drop. These are all things that I can come to expect from a guy that looks like that. But nobody had ever protected those. Last question for you. Is there a, a, a certain moment for you or memory or experience that you've had since you've been the gimmick attorney that stands out as your favorite? A favorite trademark that you've gotten or a reaction that you've gotten from somebody? or You know, taking on taking on WWE and and winning sometimes in any of those instances and there's been a couple has been fun uh, again not because i think ill of them necessarily they're a big kind of sterile corporation at yeah. times and they react to things like a big sterile corporation does but having having wins there is is always fun uh w- one thing that somebody complimented me on they're like well i mean my gosh you you know all these people and you you're backstage and do these things like do you ever freak out I'm like i'm no they're just people just like I'm a person, you know, they just happen to be on TV and, and have adoring fans like in my head. Of course, this is really cool. Like, I remember this guy came out and he had a ponytail on top of his head and was wearing a shiny <laughs> shirt. And I remember I put myself back into that that place in as an 18 year old or 20 year old or whatever it was. And they, that guy's an asshole. And like <laughs> it, he's such a bad, a bad person as a character. Like yeah. he's so arrogant. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a little older and started to appreciate more. Like, man, I, I really had a visceral reaction to right. top not Chris Jericho <laughs> and Ric Flair. And, they, and But those are real people. And that's just a character. Mm-hmm. And they're really good at what they do because they made me react that way. So sometimes I'll sit back and, you know, I'm sitting here right now with you. Yeah. Like, I remember watching Chris whenever I was a kid. But, you know, you're just a person just like yeah. me. You've got a family. You've got kids just like I had a family. I got kids. So the whole thing is very surreal and very cool. And it's it's an honor and a privilege to get to do it. Well, thanks to you. I'm a trademark person. Clint Bobsky. <laughs> congratulations. Dude, congratulations on all your work, and uh, thank you for uh, saving some of us a lot of hassle. I, I'm happy to do it. Thanks for having me.